Welcome to Church on the Hill. We're so glad you're here. You know, the presence of the Lord is here. Um, I try so hard to plan. I'm such a, I'm, I'm, I'm really an over planner, but, you know, tried to, tried to plan um, things out. And I got children's ministry saying, hey, y'all been going a little long the last few weeks. Do you need to keep going long? And she doesn't mind. She just needs to plan because kids kind of run out of stuff to do. Or let me tell you, teachers run out of stuff to do. So I go and tighten the screws this week and think, okay, we got a plan, and we move communion to a different spot, and we put altar call to a different spot, just thinking, okay, I got this figured out. And then God starts moving, and it's good. I don't want to get in the way of that, but I am also kind of watching my plan just... I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I think he's saying, Paul, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, the true worship should lead us somewhere. It shouldn't be three songs and sit down. It should be a journey into the presence of the Lord. And when we come into the presence of the Lord, things should change. And that's what's happening. You know, people are getting prayed for. And again, in Sunday school... Jesus went in and overturned the tables, disrupted church to say, you're doing things wrong. This needs to be a house of prayer. So as we're in a time of prayer, that's the people that are receiving prayer, not just the people that are up here praying. Pray. Church on the hill, body, pray. Be praying. Make your requests known. Be be praying to the Lord and letting Him know this is why we're here. We're here to engage with Him. So if the worship goes a little long and you've stand, stood up a little too long, sit down. Sit down. Rest your legs. Then get back up. You know, in a ball game, players can't play 24-7. They have to be taken out and get some Gatorade, get some rest, get some fluids, and then get back on the field. Sit down. And then get back, on, back in the game. Amen? Amen. If we go longer, Great. We're only going longer because the Spirit of God's moving. I can tell you that if nothing's happening, we will keep going forward. But if the Spirit of God moves, we're going to stop. We're going to be there with Him. And if we remain there, then so be it. The Lord said to remain in me. Those who remain in me. That's what we've been talking about over the last couple weeks. Weeks is about putting down roots. And the only way you can put down roots is by remaining in that thing. This tree can't be moved and moved and moved and moved and moved and put down roots. It has to stay put. The place we stay put is in Him. Do you hear me, church? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am Him bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So I want you to know that here at, the ch- at Church on the Hill, the leadership, the worship team, we are interested in the presence of the Lord. And when we, when we get there, we stay there. And I want to stay there. I want to abide in the Lord. I want to, I want to bear much fruit. And not only much fruit, but fruit that lasts. So it's so key that we as church, as a church, but more importantly, that you as a Christian, a Christ follower, get your roots down in the right place. A church cannot be healthy if its individuals are not healthy. The only way church can be healthy is if the individuals are healthy. So we must get our roots down. 
And we've seen over the last few weeks that our heart is that point of connection for getting roots down in Christ. Jesus connects with your heart. He may hear your lips flapping. He may see some of the stuff that you're doing, but it's your heart that he connects with. You can't fool him with your heart. You can try to fool him with your mouth, which you can't, but it's, his, it's your heart. It's that heart to heart that he wants to connect to you. And he wants you to produce fruit. He wants you to bear fruit. And I want you to remember that a tree can't bear fruit right away because it can't sustain it. You've got to get roots down and you've got to get strong before you can bear fruit. Amen. So we've been talking about thriving in the process of putting down roots. Thriving, meaning that the root building process does not just have to be um, a negative process. Not at all. The Lord wants us to thrive in every step that we're walking. He wants us to have an abundant life. So we're going to look at the first key to thriving while we are putting down roots in him. Now, don't don't want you to forget that the roots in him are in his word and his spirit in him. If we abide in him, if we remain in him. So when I talk about putting down roots, I'm talking about you connecting to Jesus, his word, his spirit. Amen? Stay with me. The first key to thriving is to build the wall in front of you. So I'm going to go to Nehemiah. And we see this strategy with Nehemiah. When he laid a strategy out for the workers who were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, Nehemiah had this powerful encounter with God after hearing the report about the city's fallen walls. Now, it's easy for us to check out and just think about Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Jerusalem and Nehemiah and these physical walls that are outside the built outside the, the city. But I want you to think about your walls. Do you have gaps in your walls that the enemy easily comes in and out of? Do we have gaps in our walls here at the church? Do you have gaps in the walls of your marriage? Do you have gaps in the walls of you and your children? I want you to know you do. We have holes. This is what we're applying to. We've got to get real at home before we can ever get real at church. The church can't be healthy if the home isn't healthy. Our nation can never be healthy if the home is not healthy. We're so backwards. We've got broken homes, but we fuss about the nation. I want to encourage you, take less focus on the nation and focus on your home. You want to turn this nation around? Turn the home around. It doesn't matter who the president is. And I'm not here to take a political stand at all. I'm not going to. I'm here to say the problem with our nation is our roots are not in him. In the home. You want the nation to get the roots down in Jesus? The home has to get the roots down in Jesus. So let's try try to apply this to us, building the wall in front of you. So Nehemiah had this powerful encounter with God when he heard this report about the city's fallen walls. So what I want to tell you today is I want to report to you that we've got walls down. Got walls down in our home, got walls down in our church. We've got walls down here. And God gave him the assignment to rebuild the walls. 
And when he arrived in Jerusalem, he scouted out the walls to determine exactly how bad things were and what needed to be done. Then he called the priests and the people together to delegate the word, the, the work. And Nehemiah lists uh, three specific individuals or groups to work on the wall. But what we're going to focus on today was who, what he assigned the people, the people of the city. And the people of the city were assigned to fix the wall that was outside their home. In Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 28. Nehemiah three twenty-eight says, Beyond the horse gate, the priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. Pastor, what are you talking about? Let me rephrase this, maybe in a language that you can grasp a little better. Walk outside your door. Look directly in front of you. That wall that's in front of you, rebuild that. Right? This is so powerful in that I believe that this is how God works in our lives. So many, we, so many times we miss what, he, what God is doing right in front of us because we're longingly looking at what somebody else is doing. We're looking at how somebody else is repairing another part of the wall and we want to go rebuild those areas. We get distracted watching other people in their other assignments and seasons of life because the grass is always greener on the other side. Elizabeth has requoted this over and over and over, and I think it can't be quoted enough. The grass is only greener where you water it. The grass isn't greener over there because it's better. Take care of your grass. Anybody have any neighbors that you'd like to say that to? Because this goes out on the internet, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say what I'm, say what I'm thinking. The grass looks greener. We can't even see what God is doing right in front of us. And it keeps us from being able to develop the root system right where we are. God has you where you are because he planted you there. The need for significance makes us look at other areas and feel more excited or more in line with that vision. We will never thrive in the process of putting down roots unless we accept the place where God has put us. Because that's where he's going to work with you. Faithfulness and obedience call us to recognize what God is asking us to put our hands to. And what he's calling us to emphasize in our lives. And let me tell you, I know it's hard to stay focused on what's in front of us. Because it usually doesn't look like the promise. It usually looks like a downed tree in your backyard that you've got to go clean up. And you don't want to. We just had a tree go down. I don't have a chainsaw. I don't own a chainsaw. I'm not a, chain, I'm not a chainsaw guy. I don't hate chainsaws. I just wasn't brought up using a chainsaw. But a tree went down in my yard. And I don't want to pay somebody. So I borrowed a chainsaw. And it's very dangerous. And it didn't work long. 
I don't know if it needed oil or needed sharpening or it needed a different person handling it. (laughs) But I could have left that tree and gone and helped somebody else's yard. That's what happens. I'd rather go help you deal with your stuff that I know how to do better and that I like to do better than to take care of the tree that's in my backyard. And I had family members reminding me of the tree in the backyard. I had neighbors reminding me of the tree in the backyard. And my thought was, that does not affect you at all. Shut up. But you know what was being said was God was saying, take care, of your, take care of you. Take care of your home. Take care of your home. Then go take care of these other things. We'll never thrive in the process unless we accept the place where God's put us. It's God who gives us our dreams and our current assignment. And you know, so many times I've had to come into my life saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how you're getting me from point A to point B, but that's not my problem. That's your problem. You've got to get me where I'm supposed to be. I've got to take care of what you've told me to do. Getting me there is God's job, but the wall in front of me is mine. Do you hear me? God's not going to rebuild the wall. He's told you to. God did not remove the tree from my backyard, no matter how much I prayed. Go look. God, did you remove the tree? No. Still there. You go remove it. I don't want to. Well, that that doesn't even apply. The tree needs to be moved. How many of you have a tree in your backyard? Wait a minute. Everybody has a tree in their backyard. How many of you have a down tree? It's a metaphor. (laughs) Like, that didn't come out right. Some of you have a tree that's gone through your house. And you've left it there. You know what that tree may be? It may be forgiveness. It may be repentance. Can you imagine a tree being down and the mess that it's going to make in your home? We have this in our life, church, and the Lord is saying, repair the wall in front of you. I want you to know that pursuing God is more important than pursuing your dream. Pursuing God is more important than pursuing your dream, and I wholeheartedly believe in embracing your dreams and the passions that are in your heart. But we are not called to be passionate about a dream, but about Jesus. And the Lord will test you in this regularly, because we so many times want to get out in front of what God's doing. The problem with you pursuing and and going crazy over your passion is that your passion can trick you to avoiding the tasks that God has set in front of you. And you know what? God may have even given you that passion. But so many times when God has called you and is calling you to do something, He puts steps in front of you that you need to walk through before you get to that promise. 
Why? Because if you got the promise right away, it's like bearing a fruit before you got roots down. You're going to break. God has a plan to build structure in your life. But we want to kind of circumvent the plan to get the reward. And God says, no, I love you too much. But what I need to do in your heart and in your life and in your family is vital to you being able to support the calling that I've placed on your life. Church, do you hear me? So many times we disqualify ourselves and stun our growth because we don't do what's right in front of us. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. With all your might. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. The enemy is trying to get you off assignment, and he wants to distract you with something that God is not emphasizing in your life so that you miss what God does want. God is trying to grow you right where you are. But because we don't feel passionate about what we're doing or because it's harder than we thought or because it's boring or slow, we think we should be somewhere else. But that is not how God works. Second key to thriving. Accept the lesson. Pay attention to and accept the lessons that God's trying to teach you in this current assignment and season. The Lord is the teacher, capital T, and we are the students. He is the one designing our course of study. And He's the one writing the lesson plan. We thrive in the process when we say, I hate math. I'm just not going to do it. But when we say, okay, this isn't my favorite, but God, you must have a reason for me doing this math. I'm going to apply myself. How many of you have found in your older age still using math? That just make you want to stomp your feet out. I, I, I actually liked math. My dad was a math major, um, so English would be my thing. I hate English. I hate verbs and contractions and whatever. I can't even remember the rest of them. <laughs> but I find myself now in my life writing so much. What was the school system doing in me? Getting my foundation down so that when I got out here in the world, I would not be shocked and stomped on when life started to hit me in the job world. What we don't realize as students is that a foundation is being placed so that you can thrive in your life. Do you know that that's what God's wanting you to do? He's wanting you to thrive, but we wind up walking through these things in family. What happens in family? When we're growing up, first thing is we realize we're not God. Life does not revolve around me. The, I think that it comes very clear the first spanking I got. What the heck just happened? 
Everything was so good. I got everything I wanted. And then life started to happen. But that spanking had a purpose. To protect me, to grow me, to sustain me. Then as I continued to grow, more correction came. And I can tell you, I hate correction. (laughs) You know what it says in the Bible about people that hate correction? They're a fool. I had to learn to not be a fool. How do you not be a fool? Love correction. Oh, no, you can, no. (laughs) But it's foundation. God is trying to build foundation in you. We're trying to take on major adult stuff with no foundation because we have not allowed the Lord to place roots down and put, get roots down in the Lord. It's time to restart. Every assignment and lesson that God gives you adds something crucial to your foundation. Then when God adds the weight of your calling and vision to your life, you'll be able to sustain it. There comes a time where we have to say, Lord, whatever it takes, however much time it takes for you to build the foundation that you need to build in me, I surrender to you. And I quit running from the the tasks and the things that you're walking me through. These things that you walk me through in my family, these things that you walk me through in my education, these things that you walk me through in my church, in these relationships, in growing. Growing. Anybody ever had growing pains? Growing is painful. Rushing growth is a sign that we really don't understand the vision toward which we're growing. We don't understand what God is really calling us to do. And I want you to know God is calling you to the impossible. He's calling you to the impossible, to the amazing. He wants to throw you in way over your heads. Why? so that He can show Himself in your life. Not only that, so that He can show the world Himself through you. That's what He's trying to do in you. He's trying to get your feet down. We've got to recognize that when things are moving slow, slower than we think, or even not moving at all, that it may just be God answering our prayer. He's giving us what, our, what we need and preparing us for what He spoke to us. It's easy to feel like you're falling behind and to want to get ahead. I want you to know that gardening is slow. Have you ever sown a garden? You don't get your, your return the next day. It takes time. Do you know if you overwater... If you try to get ahead of it and overwater your plants, what'll happen? They'll die. You can't speed up the process. You will destroy them. Trusting God gets you there in His time. God will get you where He wants you, when He wants you, and how He wants you to get there. If you're not there, it's because He doesn't want you there yet. In our independent, pull up your own bootstraps and make it happen culture, the idea of letting God lead seems completely backwards and disorienting. 
But listen to me, church. No one can make a God promise happen. No one can make a God promise happen. Only God can. When we surrender to Him and to His time and to His will, He does His thing. And He does it on time. So it's important not to skip any steps. But I can tell you that I can so easily want to reorder God's steps. Um, I smoked ribs this week, yesterday. Um, For the first time, I've got a uh, big green egg that my dad, I got from my, uh, when my dad passed away, that's one thing I ran and got. And I got it to my house and decided I was going to try to smoke ribs. And anytime Elizabeth and I work together in the kitchen, it's always um, educating. <laughs> and I'm definitely not the educated one. She is. She is a phenomenal cook. And I find myself ready to put a gun to my head when we don't follow a recipe exactly. (laughs) I mean, exactly. I I can't hardly even have a conversation when we get off the page. And she's like, it doesn't matter, just do this. (laughs) I literally can't. My brain will not function. I'm incredibly systematic in how things have to be done. But unfortunately, I think God works more like she works than I do. God does not necessarily work on a linear plane. Roots are not straight. We can't see the roots. Roots do not go down straight. If I were the root creator, they'd be perfect. They'd all be the same length. They'd all be the same size. They'd be perfect. God would be like, that's not perfect. That won't even work. Things don't go like that. Go look at the, 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 the line of your life. Is it a straight line? No. Thank God it's not. If it had been a straight line, I would have missed the moon by billions of miles even though I thought I was right on. You know how many course corrections a a rocket has to take to get to where it's going? Lots. Or else they miss their target. I want to get in and reorder God's process. And you know what happens when I reorder God's process? I miss it. I miss the target. The last key to thriving, and I'm almost done, is embrace being hidden. The prophet Isaiah shows us, I'm going to show you in Isaiah 49, describes the hidden work of God as the work of sharpening and honing us into powerful tools and weapons. It says that he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. Being hidden does not mean being isolated or withholding from our lives good things. It also doesn't mean being hidden in a cave until you're perfect, and then you can come out. My oldest child, uh, Rita, when she was learning to talk, used to wouldn't say anything until she had it in her mind, the perfect way to say it. 
learning how to read. So she would not even, you could not hear her verbally work it out. She waited until she had it perfect in her mind. God does not want to go place you in a hole until you're perfect. No, but he does want to take time with you. Do you know that it was in the caves that David received from the Lord? And why was David in the caves? Because he feared his life. David, the anointed man after God's own heart, ran for his life several times. Should he have ran for his life? Yeah. The enemy was coming to kill him. It was his family. Can anyone relate? Anybody have family issues? David needed time in the cave. In the cave, he was tempted to have the opportunity to take out the king that was already there. But he didn't. He did not get in front of that process. Do you know that that would have escalated his timetable of becoming king? Right then. And he had been promised being king. Well, if he's laying there, it must mean I'm supposed to be king, so I should probably kill him. Can you not put those two together? He's the king. In that day, kings killed kings. No, his roots were down. He knew the heart of God. Don't strike the anointed man of God. God will do that. That's God's part. Okay, God, here I sit and I could be king, but I trust you. Let me get back to where you're speaking to me. God is wanting to grow you. God is wanting to grow you right here, right where you are, in your job, in your marriage, with your family. You do not have to have something else to start. You have to start now. The something else is getting ahead of God. Start where you are now. Pastor, you don't know where I am. No, I don't, but God does. He is ready and waiting. He is ready now. If you will abide in Him and Him in you. Your call today is to get in the Word, to begin to pray, to get in the Spirit, and to start seeking after the Lord. Quit putting all these other things in front. And get your roots down. Get your roots down. Can I pray for you? Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you that for the process that you have us in right now. Lord, you're growing me and you're growing us. You're teaching us and preparing us. Lord, I thank you for hiding me in the cave and not releasing me too soon. Thank you for protecting me and everyone around me by waiting until I have the right foundation to carry your promise. Father, I thank you that you desire and you will help and you will, you will literally develop roots in our life and create in us the strength necessary to sustain what it is that you've called us to do. Father, the, the fact that we're overwhelmed and bending and breaking should be a wake-up call that we need to get our roots down. 
Help us, Lord, to turn, to literally turn our hearts back to you, to not go home and expect our life to be the same and not change anything, but to change. Lord, I just pray for a Jesus heart connection this week. Just praise you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.